The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He said, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and a man. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, when, when you heard the reading, I'm sure that um, what crossed your mind was, what on earth is he going to say about that? <laughs> well, now you know how I felt when I was actually given this subject. I felt exactly the same way. Um, let me start with a confession. Uh, you're wondering what's coming now. Um, I'm hooked on Disney, and I think it runs in the family. But whether it be the cartoons, the Disney characters... Um, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, basically everything. And I love the Disney theme parks. Um, and I've been to all of them, the one in Orlando, Florida, Los Angeles, and Disneyland Paris. I've been about six times. I've visited them all. One of the highlights for me uh, was a few years ago when, uh, wait for it, I actually met Mickey Mouse in... <laughs> I thought you'd be impressed. Um, I actually met Mickey Mouse in Orlando and shook his hand. Um, and um, I even have a Mickey Mouse fleece, which I love wearing, and I couldn't resist the temptation. I had to bring it this morning. I'm proud of that. It sounds rather sad to say so, but I love wearing that. When I wear my Mickey, lots of people smile. Some folk are already Mickey Mouse fans, so that's okay, and they enjoy it with me. Others smile because they think I must be a bit simple. <laughs> but I can cope with that because I'm living out the fantasy but of course, it is just that. It is fantasy. 
Now, we've just been celebrating Christmas. And the problem is, as, as I see it, that we have a tendency to turn it all into a big fairy story. Something which is very nice, very cosy. But it's great for the children, but it's really not all that serious. I find that rather sad. In the Gospels, we find two accounts of Jesus' birth. One in Matthew's Gospel and one in Luke's Gospel. Actually, I prefer the third account, which comes in John's Gospel, where he sums it all up in one sentence. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Because that sums up Christmas. God became man and lived on the earth. So let's leave the fantasy behind and look at our reading. Here we have the first recorded words spoken by Jesus. And this incident involves three people. Jesus, his mum, and his dad. I must confess that when I, when I read this text, I immediately thought about our Prime Minister, David Cameron. Apparently, three years ago, he and his wife, Samantha, had a Sunday lunch at the pub. And somehow, their daughter, Nancy, got left behind. In our Bible passage, Jesus and his mum, Mary, and his dad, Joseph, had been in Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And on their way home, they realized he was missing. And they eventually found him in the temple courts. So far, so good. Sounds quite straightforward, doesn't it? And it makes me smile. It's so accessible. accessible rather. It's kind of folksy, isn't it? The unexpected part is that Jesus is holding his own with an adult audience, which was quite a feat as he was only 12 at the time. Mother Mary takes the lead, as mothers often do in situations like that, don't they? And she asks Jesus what he's up to, pointing out that his dad and mum had been searching for him and were very, very worried. Jesus came out with a winning line about his priority which was serving God. And this was a wonderful reply. And the scripture says, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Or in Ivan's speak, what Jesus was saying freaked out Mary and Joseph. I'd like to make a few simple points. Firstly, Jesus had a special vocation a special calling which his parents had to come to terms with. Can I ask, what is our calling? What is your calling? What is our role in life? What is God calling us to do? Are we developing that role and are we sure that is what God is calling us to do? Uh, Luke says in verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 
Are we growing into the role God has assigned us? We're all different, and so we need to accept and even revel in the diversity God has, uh, of God-given talents which we and other people display. How do we know what our role is? Well, we can be guided by prayer and by scripture, but we can also be guided by our husband, wife, partner, friends. Self-assessment is very dangerous and often inaccurate. Speaking personally, I find it useful when my wife Jacqueline points out some particular talent I have of which I'm unaware. It works the other way too. She'll also point out those areas in which I do not excel or those habits which need modifying. I find that very beneficial as somebody close to you can bring out the best in you in a way that nobody else can. Incidentally, I generally act on my wife's advice and she usually gets it right. But I can tell you, on the occasions I ignore her, you can be sure she got it right. (laughs) So do we help others find their true identity, encouraging them when they get it right and gently guiding them when they're out of their depth? Moving on, let's consider Joseph. We don't know too much about him. He seems to have a walk-on, non-speaking part. A bit like those film producers who make a brief appearance in the film in the background but don't actually say anything. Or, Or the footballer who plays in the midfield. He doesn't score many goals, but he provides that final pass to enable another player to score. Like the producer of the film, his contribution is absolutely crucial. Perhaps there are some of you here this morning who feel you have a walk-on, non-speaking part. You are unsung heroes. You'll never write the headlines. But don't forget, your contribution is vital, even if you don't get credit for it. We don't know too much about Joseph. We do know that an angel sent by God appeared to him in a dream on five occasions. He was given reassurance that his wife-to-be, Mary, was pregnant through the intervention of the Holy Spirit. And secondly, he was advised to flee to Egypt so that Jesus would not be killed by Herod who set out to kill all the baby boys in case they overthrew him one day. On both these occasions, Joseph took the advice he was offered. Incidentally, it's easy to romanticize this idea of dreams. But in the Middle East and Africa in particular, we do even now hear of God speaking to folk through dreams people having a personal encounter with Jesus and coming to faith in this way. So dreams are not fables. They're something that actually happens and God uses today. 
We know too that Joseph was described in, in Matthew's Gospel as a just man, and according to the translation you choose, um, a just man, faithful to the law, just and righteous, a good man, a man who always did what was right, a man of stern principle, as I say, depends on the translation you choose. But you get the picture. We describe people in various ways. Some we say, oh, they're interesting, or friendly, or maybe they say, we say, oh, they're a good laugh. But what a commendation, what a tribute, when you're basically held up and considered as a man or a woman of principle. What a wonderful tribute to pay to somebody. If someone were to describe you in a few words, I wonder what they'd say. How would they describe you? Which words would be the key words? Which brings us to the third member of our trio, Mary. I must confess that I am unashamedly a Mary fan. I don't get carried away like some of our friends in the Roman Catholic Church, but I do think she must have been very special. When the angel Gabriel told her that she'd give birth to her son, who she should call Jesus, he said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. You have found favour with God. Highly favoured, the Lord is with you. You have found favour with God. What a wonderful description of a truly wonderful person who had such a key role to play. Wouldn't you feel privileged to have those words said about you? In all the classical paintings we see of Mary, she looks about 30 or more. But in actual fact, Bible scholars reckon that she was much younger, possibly only 16 years of age. As a matter of interest, if you go to Spain, the influence of the church is such that you'll find that one of the most common names for girls is Maria, Mary. Some are even called Maria José, Mary Joseph. And for that matter, some men are called José María, Joseph Mary. We know a bit more about Mary. We can just feel the exuberant delight positively gushing out in her speech. Um, My soul glorifies the Lord, which we call the Magnificat, which is the first word in the Latin version. And some 30 years later, we see her at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. Luke also points out in verse 51, referring to the incident in our reading, that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And at the birth of Jesus, he says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I wonder how much she understood. We can't say. But it seems that she was happily taking it all in. I love that word, 
pondered. It suggests to me that she was carefully mulling over it all. The birth of Jesus. And now Jesus making his way in the adult world. This sermon will, I imagine, be the last one you'll hear this year. In the new year, our thoughts will turn to New Year's revolutions. That was a... (laughs) That was a Freudian slip. (laughs) Start again. We'll turn to New Year's resolutions, plans for the future, and so on. Can I suggest that we, like Mary, take time now to reflect on the past, the birth of Jesus, certainly, and all that Christmas means. Sometimes we spell Christmas with an X, which comes from the Greek. It's a shorthand way of writing Christ. But if you like, it can also remind us that Jesus was born at Christmas, but that he was to die for us and our sins on the cross. May we, like Joseph, live holy, righteous lives, making it our goal to follow Jesus more closely and become more like him. And as we follow Jesus, can we try to discern what part he would have us play? The original title for my talk was supposed to be, I must be about my father's business, which was Jesus' explanation to his parents of what he was doing in the temple, which brings us full circle. May we discover in the coming months what my father's business involves for us and endeavor to live out that role to the best of our ability. As you came in this morning, you should have been given a handout um, like this to ponder on, which I hope and pray will be a help and an encouragement for you in the coming days. Amen. Thank you, Ivan.